0: welcome to the vertical church podcast now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message
1: well we are um, we're launching into this series uh, called rise up uh, stories of overcoming uh, faith and I, I just want to kind of start this way let's do this um, how many of you really like a good story like you love a good, story, right? We, we all pretty much do, because here's the thing, like, we're in a movie theater, and some people think that, you know, uh, action movies, like big blockbuster movies, are all just lights and special effects and, and CGI. Listen, all those movies fall flat if they don't have a good story. This is the difference between the DC superhero movies and the Marvel superhero movies. Amen? Somebody... And it, how many of you have both seen, you've seen both Batman versus Superman and Captain America Civil War? Yes. We know which one was the better movie and the, the, the underlying reason, listen, I'm not a movie critic or a reviewer, it's story. One has a good story and one is just people blowing stuff up. Seriously. We love a good story. But it's not just, we don't just love a good story on the screen. We love a good story in our conversations. Like we like to have... Uh, how many of you, one of my favorite things to do, seriously, one of my favorite things to do is to just sit around and tell stories, like to talk to people and just hear about their life, and, to, and sometimes you'll laugh, and sometimes you'll cry, sometimes the stories are, are humorous and funny, and you're like, I can't believe that happened to an actual human being, and other times the stories are sad and painful, and, and you have tears, but, but stories, when they are good, they, they move us. There's nothing, there's nothing I like much more than, than to sit across from somebody and hear them say, Now I've got to tell you about the time when, and they just go off and they tell this amazing story. Now, it could, if it's a redneck story, it begins with, and then I said, Watch this. <laughs> I've got a bunch of those stories, um, but anyway, those are not as as good. But um, we we have stories that we love to tell, and we have other stories that um, that we would really just rather forget, if we're honest. Like let's just let's be honest about it. There are some stories, there are some chapters in our life that we wouldn't mind just skipping over. Like, if we were going to tell our story to somebody, let me just skip over this chapter. Let me let me go back and edit some of the story out because there are parts of it that are embarrassing. I don't want to tell you about those. And there are parts of it that were really difficult and were really painful. And, and there are parts that still, when I tell it, I get choked up and teary-eyed because it, it was just a really tough season in my life. You see, we make... We make some parts of our story sound better when we tell them because, because we, we maybe we're ashamed or we just don't want to live it again. Uh, we take some parts of it out entirely. But the interesting thing is when you look back at your story and I look at my story and we start, you know, talking about what has happened in our lives, um, it's interesting that these seemingly insignificant decisions that you didn't think were that big of a deal at the time, when you look back, it's, it's those insignificant decisions that had a significant impact on your life. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe your story is um, you were invited to go join this softball team, uh, this, this just co-ed uh, softball team just kind of, you know, for fun. And so you went, and, and on, you know, on that team there were four people who like all went to the same church. And they invited you to go to church with them. And you thought, well, I don't have anything going on this Sunday. It's probably going to rain. I can't go out. And so, sure, why not? And then you went to church with them, and God got a hold of your life and completely changed everything for you. And you can trace it all back to that one insignificant decision to join that softball team. Or, or maybe your story is, maybe you were in college. Maybe it's not even like that. that... On a spiritual of a story. You were in college and you took this class on a whim, right? Like you had to, you just had an, uh, an elective you had to fill. You had a slot that you had to fill. And you took this class and then all of a sudden the subject matter in that class just grabbed your imagination. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I had a passion for this you went in. You changed your major. You 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 chose a whole different career path, and now you're chasing after a dream that you didn't even have before you took that class on a whim. But see, those are real positive examples because the opposite is also true. The opposite is true in the sense that there are there are times in our lives where we think, "Man, if I had only never started that habit." If I, if I had said no the first time, my life might be completely different than it is today. If I hadn't gone there, why did I have to decide to go there that night? Because something happened there and it and it cascaded. And your story took a took a took a tangent down another road, and everything kind of shifted around and everything started changing because of that. Decision, or if I'd never become friends with that person. If if that day in high school I had just just kept on walking down the hall and didn't uh, didn't befriend this person, maybe my story would be just, just radically different. Life just started unraveling after I met them. See, decisions that decisions that we made yesterday are determining the stories that we're living. Right now. That's that's kind of the the, the 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 big idea of the whole series, the whole rise up series over the next four weeks. This is this is one of the things I really want you to just internalize this truth that and you can see it on the screen. Decisions the decisions I make today determine the stories I will tell tomorrow. The decisions that you make right here, right now, today seemingly insignificant will determine the kind of story that you're going to be telling five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. In other words, our decisions really matter. Our decisions have impact. Our decisions have weight. I remember when I was in college, I remember that uh, I, had, I had just transferred to this liberal arts college, and I was uh, I was there maybe two or three days, and I had some friends that I already made, and they said, hey, do you want to go to this party? And I said, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not living at home anymore. I've got freedom. Yeah, I'm going to go to this party. Where is it? It's a church. Oh, Yeah, I'll still go. It was a Christian liberal arts college, okay? Yeah, I'll go I'll go to that, this, this party, at church. Sure, okay, it's cool. Um, so I go to this party and I met these people and I joined this ministry team, right? Like that night, like God got a hold of my life and I said, okay, you know, this party is actually about recruiting people for this team and yes, I want to be on this team. And a year and a half later, I'm still on that team. And we go to this this church in Knoxville, Tennessee on a Wednesday night. And one of my pastors on the team comes up to me and says, Hey, Josh, I want to introduce you to this girl. Her name is Hope. And I said, Hey. (laughs) Actually, I didn't. And she, like, stood me up the first date. But that's cool. (laughs) we were supposed to go to Shoney's after our ministry.
0: That's why she said It wasn't my
1: choice. I didn't have a choice. I was in a church van with a bunch of other uh, church people and they wanted to go to Shoney's, so that's all I had. That's the only option. But uh, That decision, listen, that decision to go to that party at church had an impact way beyond I could actually see. It was that momentary decision when I said, Well, sure, yeah, I'll go. I'll go and, and check out your party. That, that decision had ramifications way beyond what I could visualize in that moment. The moral of that story really is, of course, you know, if you're going to go to a party, make sure it's a party at church, right? Not really, but anyway. All right. Uh, the big question for today, the big question I want us to look at today: How do we live a story worth telling? How do we how do we live a story? That that, that's actually worth sitting down with somebody and sharing it with them. Or or another way to kind of ask that question: how do we live a life that produces a story that somebody would want to hear? Or or, or that we would want to tell? Now, I'm going to go ahead and let you know. I think the answer is found in the Bible. Matter of fact, I think the answer is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I want you to see this. This is kind of a, a key passage for the whole series. And I pray this this is true for you and for, and for other people who are going to come alongside us in this series who aren't even here yet, right? Because we're continually inviting, because Mike wasn't lonely last week, but he might be lonely next week, right? So we got to keep on inviting. All right, here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance and... The race marked out for us. What's he saying? Let us, let us live the story God has prepared for us. Let us pursue his story in our lives. Okay, how are we going to do that? Author of Hebrews, tell us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How do, we, how do we live the story that's worth telling? Well, we've got to start by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why Jesus? The author of Hebrews tells us, here's why it's Jesus. Because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the story writer. He's the, he's the author of the story. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if Jesus became the author of your life? If if you could look at your relationship with him and say, he's writing my story. He is, he is the author of my faith. He is the author of my life. Wouldn't it be awesome if if Jesus was helping you live the story that God wanted you to tell? That'd be awesome. That would be incredible. Well, how do we do that? He, the, the, the author says that we fix our eyes on Jesus. We, we, we fix, we, we set with, with determination, our direction, our eyes, because, you know, it's not a good idea to walk backwards. You stumble into stuff, right? You ever done that? You're just walking backwards and all of a sudden, I bump into this thing just about every week. Why? Because it's behind me. I'll have eyes in the back of my head. We fix our eyes. Our eyes are indicator of where we're going. We fix our eyes on Jesus Hallelujah. because he's the author. He's the perfector of our faith. So here's where we're going in this series. That was all kind of an introduction. Um, here's where we're going. Uh, it's four weeks long. We're going through the month of June. And each week, I'm going to share just uh, one or two really simple thoughts about writing your story, about, about living the life God uh, wants you to live and is prepared for you to live, uh, a, a thought or two about how to fix your eyes on Jesus and experience him as the author of your life. But then, this is the real unique part of this 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 series. I think it's going to be so cool, and I think I think you're you're going to be so encouraged by it. Um, Each week, I'm going to invite somebody up here to join me, and we're going to have a conversation. We're going to have a conversation about faith, about life, about their story. What is God doing in their life? Because I I think you know it's real cool if we did it on video, right? Well, then they're on the screen, and it's kind of rehearsed, and it's I can edit it and cut out this part. But let's just face it: when it's on screen, it's kind of fake. It's a little bit plastic. I could I could find a really good story from somebody else that you don't know and find it. I could I could YouTube it or I could Google it, find it on Vimeo, and that's just such an awesome story. I think and those are good. Like I think we all need to hear that. But there's something about just bringing up a person live. Here's the unedited, unaltered, <laughs> raw version. What's God doing in your life? And then just be encouraged. Be encouraged about how God is authoring their story and hear from them and think, oh man, if God is doing that in their life, then He can do it in my life and I can trust Him too. So before we get there, uh, open your Bibles. This is the little thought I want to share with you to 1 Kings chapter 20. If you have a Bible, 1 Kings chapter 20. We're going to look at two verses, verses 13 and 14. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. They're going to be on the screen for us. Um, and if you have a phone, you can follow along on the Bible app, Uversion app. So, um, one question uh, that, I, that I want to kind of put to you this morning What story does God want you to tell? What's, what's the story that He wants you to tell? Another way to think about it in, in five years, if you just if you think about it this way, what is the story that God wants me to tell five years from now in my life, right? Like, like just just, just uh, ask yourself that question right here, right now where you sit. What is it that God wants to do in my life over the next five years? And I bet, if you're really honest, I bet there's like at least one area of your life where maybe it's not quite how you hoped it would be, right? Like there's this, there's this one area or two areas that, that the truth is, man, if something doesn't change in this chapter in my life right now, it's not going to end well. This chapter's not going to end well unless something changes, what 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 is the story that God wants you to tell it might be a financial story okay The story God wants you to tell might be a financial story where right now you're just kind of, you know, you're struggling. uh, You're struggling in your finances. Debt is creeping up on you. And so today you just decide, you know what? uh, I'm, I'm going to get a hold of my finances. I'm going to start a financial class. I'm going to find a mentor. I'm going to cut up some credit cards, you know, whatever it is. And then five years down the road, the story that God writes in your life and that you're looking and you're telling somebody, you're like, look, I was living paycheck to paycheck, bro. I was in debt up to my eyeballs. But, but now everything is different because I made a decision to start a different story. I made a decision on one day, there's no more credit card debt, there's no more student loans, we've paid off everything but the house, and it all began in a decision that I made to change. And God, through the Holy Spirit, gave me the discipline to, to live the plan and to work it, and now today everything's different. Maybe your story is a physical story. Maybe, maybe five years from now, you're talking to somebody, you're like, look, bro, five years ago, or look, look girl, five years ago, I was I was like, you know, 753 pounds lighter, or heavier, whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> heavier, than I am today. I, I made up a big number, because uh, I don't want to make anybody feel bad, because um, I'm, like, soft that way. Anyway. Um, I used to weigh so much more, but, but there was this message, and I'm like, what does God want to do in my life? And I think he wants to write this physical story, and so I made a decision, and I started eating different, and I started exercising, and, and, and the Holy Spirit like, like came, and he, he gave me the determination to, to, to work the plan and, and, and change, and now my life is just radically different, and I'm healthier, and I'm off of medication, and I'm living the life I'd always dreamed because I decided to start somewhere. Every story has a beginning. Every story starts with the beginning, maybe your story is a family story. And right now it's like, man, my wife doesn't love me. My, I never see my kids. I'm not involved in their life. I, I spend all of my time at work or I spend all my time doing my thing, my interests, my hobbies. You know, I just spend all my time and I never spend any time with them. So today I'm going to decide uh, that, that, that God wants to write a different story in my life. And then five years from now, you're like, man, I got the marriage I'd always dreamed of. Why? Because I chose a different story. The author of life spoke to me, and through his power, he's authoring a different story in my life. My kids love me. I spend time with my wife. My life is in balance. I'm involved. That could be your story in five years as God works through you. So what is it that God wants to do in you, through you? for you and here's what I I don't want you to just think about it rhetorically I want you to take some time and write it down you might have it already you might have it in your mind right now like you know what it is or you might, might need to spend some time in prayer like what is it that God wants to do in my life and this week, I want you to spend some time and write it down. Put it on a piece of paper. Put it in your ever Evernote notebook. Put it on your notes. Whatever you got to do, record it so that you can, you can use it as a catalyst to begin. So that's where we're at. 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 13. Check this story out. This is such a cool story, and it's just only in two verses. Uh, but it's so powerful, and it hits right at what we're talking about today. Let me give you a little backdrop. Uh, Israel, the capital of Israel at this time is Samaria. Uh, The king of Israel is a guy named Ahab. Now, he's not a good king, but this is who the story is about. Um, And he is, the the capital city is being besieged by a coalition of 33 kings. 33 other kings have gathered together and united to, to lay siege to Samaria to try to take out Israel and that's the, the the king is is losing it. He's already surrendered so much um, uh, materially to this to this coalition, and now they're asking for more. And he's like, "I have nothing else to give you." And and then God shows up. Check this out, verse thirteen. Meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and announced, "This is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army?" 33 kings, their armies, all gathered together to attack Samaria, the capital of Israel. Do you see this vast army? This overwhelming mountain. Right now, maybe your story feels overwhelming. Like, I can't change it because it's too big. It's like 33 armies have gathered against me, and and they're, they're laying siege to me, and there's no chance for victory. There's no way I can overcome this habit or this thing in my life, even if God wants me to. And so the prophet says, do you see this vast army? I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. Well, Ahab asks, I think, the same kind of question many of us would ask. But who will do this? Okay, God, who's going to do this? You've got this this dream. You've got this story that you want to write. Who's going to actually do this? The prophet replies, he says, this is what the Lord says. The junior officers under the provincial commanders will do it. And then he says, who's going to start the battle? Who's going to make the first move? Who's going to initiate the change to write a different story? And the prophet answers, you will. Man, can you, can you see that scene? Isn't that just such a cool like moment, like a climactic moment in the story? It's like, who's going to do this? Who's going to start the battle? Who's going to call for arms? Who's going to go out and wave the flag to, to, to launch into this, into this battle? And the prophet says, you're going to do it. You will. Who's going to initiate the change in your life that God wants to author through you? Who's going to make the decision so that five years from now your story looks different than it does today? You or somebody else? Who's going going to be the catalyst for the story that God wants to tell through Vertical Church? Who's going to be the catalyst for the story that opens up the balcony? Who's going to be the one who initiates and moves first and invites first and takes a risk and takes a danger to start something new. There's this song. We're listening to it on the way. I'm really into Johnny Swim right now. Okay, if you don't know who that is, that's a, it's a band. I love it. Listen to Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you need to do. But listen to it. There's this song that says, uh, live while we're young. And there's this lyric uh, where, where the lead singer says, um, got my hand on the Bible, hold it tight like a gun. When you're praying for revival, I'm already living in one. I won't, I, won't, uh, I won't get out of the danger because or if you miss out on the danger, you miss out on the fun. Listen, there's something in your life that you need to start and it feels dangerous. And you're praying for revival all the while God wants you to live in revival because He wants you to begin a story that He can empower you and author through you a story worth telling. And, 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 and if we fix our eyes on Jesus the author of our faith, he empowers us to live the story that God wants you to tell. So what do you need to begin? What do you need to start? What is the decision that you need to make today to start something that radically changes your life five, ten years down the road? What is the story that God wants you to tell? Right now I want to invite Tom Varela to join me up here at the front. Mike, if you wouldn't mind switching out uh, the podium for a couple of stools. And uh, and we're just going to have a conversation. This is Tom Grellik. I give Tom a hand. (laughs) Tom Tom is a retired uh, U.S. Marine, uh, retired Virginia Beach Sheriff's Office. So don't mess with this man. (laughs) He can take you out, and he has uh, taken uh, other people out. I'm sure, but we're not talking about that this morning. Um, That's a story for another day. Uh, but, uh, but Tom spends his days now uh, living it up at the, uh, the Battlefield uh, Golf Club. Uh, he can, listen, Tom, Tom is such a good golfer. He, he took us to task when, <laughs> hold on, that is my, I did a Facebook Live thing. Y'all do Facebook Live? No. I did that at Hope Singing, uh, and it just came on because I opened my phone. All right, uh, Tom took us to task at Top Golf. He, like, you could, like, look at him and you think, I bet he can't drive the ball that far. He was out driving us all. I mean, he was, and he wasn't just out driving us. He was hitting it in the spot where you get the points. And we were, like, we were hitting it real far, but ours were, like, going off to the right and the left, and Tom is, like, I'm serious. It's like, it's like an archer pulls an arrow back and shoots it and just,
0: Shh. He's being too kind.
1: Um, so it's, it's really, I've been golfing with Tom, and it's just, like, you know, um, okay, yeah, right on, I'm glad you're in the middle of the fairway, I'll go out here in the trees, uh, so I spend, I spend most of my time in the woods, Tom spends most of his time on the grass, which is probably where you're supposed to be, anyway, uh, Tom Varela, Tom, uh, let's uh, let's do it. we're talking about starting, we're talking about beginning, so why don't you just Um, share with us this morning really uh, where does your story begin where does it start I kind of
0: actually think my story has maybe two beginnings Uh, first off though uh, I was brought up in the Catholic Church as a young boy my my children my siblings are of course and us and um, you know I was taught respect for God we knew the Bible we didn't actually read the Bible we knew the Bible we were taught stories from the Bible Uh, we went to to catechism we we went to uh, communion you know receive your first communion and then you also go and get your uh, confirmation after you spend so many, so many years studying. You, know, you get confirmed and everything like this. So I knew who God was, uh, but I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, I respected God, and, and I like the Catholic, I thank the Catholic Church for teaching me um, the honor and the respect for God, which which I got through through that. But again, I did not have that personal relationship with Jesus. Um, there was a couple instances when I was going to uh, as a young boy growing up. I had a couple of visions, uh, and I shared them with Josh uh, last week. One was, that if you recall, in the Catholic Church, they have a lot of statues and things like this. And I had one of the, you know, the Virgin Mary, and she was holding the baby Jesus in her arms. And I can remember, and I still remember this very vividly today, the baby just kind of rolling over in, in Mother in, in Mary's arms and looking at me and smiling, and it just kind of stuck with me so much. And then the second one I had was, and the Catholic Church they had what was called the Stations of the Cross. You, have, you, you go around and you say prayers at each one of the stations. As I was going around in my vision that these, these different stations of the cross, I looked up at Jesus nailing on a cross and again, he had his head like this, I him turning his head right down there and just staring right at me. And that had such an impact in my life and I still remember this day that I kind of think that that was kind of a seed that he planted that let me really know that God was in control. But again, as I said, I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus at that time.
1: Um, okay, so you- Grew up Catholic. Uh, a lot of people actually here have grown up Catholic. If you grew up Catholic? I throw your hand up. There's several of you I get to talk to. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people grew up Catholic, and maybe they can identify with that—that that kind of like you know I heard about Jesus. I uh, knew scriptures that taught that, but I didn't have that personal uh, connection, that relationship. Where did where did it become personal?
0: Actually, became personal when uh, I joined the Marine Corps. Already, in 1970. I date myself. Uh, 1970. 1971. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have our first child. Uh, Her name was Amber. She was a year and a half old. She uh, got sick. Uh, We were in a station in Altura, California, and she got real sick. Uh, We thought she just had a bad cold or bad fever, so uh, we took her to the dispensary. They looked at her. That's exactly what they said. You take her home, give her these nose drops or whatever they give you, and these antibiotics, and she'll be fine. Well, this got worse and worse and worse. Finally, one morning, this bone-chilling cry came from the bedroom. We went in there, and it looked like she had swallowed a softball. Her neck was actually just out but somebody just saw it so we got we freaked out so right away we picked her up we just shoot down to the hospital and we get down there anyway to kind of make a long story short after they went through the through the biopsies and things they found out that she had a de- disease called histiocytosis x letter seaweed disease which at that time was 99.9 percent fatal the doctor told me and this is bedside banner he, he called me into his office he said what you probably need to do he said do you need to get your wife pregnant need to get her mind off of what's going on right now because within, wow. within 45 days your daughter's going to be dead wow. and that's exactly how he presented it to me <laughs> I get kind of emotional now to think about it. I was literally crushed I, I was a big runner at the time, I ran quite a bit I had run through college and through high school um, I can remember taking my wife home putting her in, putting her in bed and then just putting my gear on and we lived in San Joaquin Hills and, and I just took off running I actually wanted to run to blow my lungs up that's how I felt I ran and I ran so hard that I finally fell down on the ground and I just started to cry. I said, God, God, why are you doing this to me? Why have you chosen this? Didn't get an answer. You know, I was kind of looking for the you know thing in the sky. Didn't get an answer. So I go back home. And of course, the first thing we want to do is we've got to call mom. You know, I, th- I thank God for, for Bible-believing, faith-healing mothers that, that, that pray for us, you know. And so I called mom, and just so just so happens in, in God's timing, about a month and a half earlier, she had gone to a church in Texas to see my sister. My sister had already received Jesus as her personal savior. Told my mom about it. My mom received Jesus as her personal savior. So when I called mom to share this, she said, Tom's God's trying to get a hold of you. And I said, What do you mean? And I said, That's not the way he wants to get a hold. I don't want him to get a hold of me like this. Yeah. You know, so she says, you need to go find a faith-believing church, a Bible-believing church that believes in Jesus. You need to turn your life over to Him. And I said, well, I got, I got that already. I went, I went to Catholic church, I went to catechism, I went to confirmation. She goes, it's not the same. She goes, you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. So I said, okay. So, you know, Jesus being who He is, uh, I, I was really into music, and I really love rock and roll and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I just so happened to turn the radio station over to... To a Christian radio station that was broadcast out of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith. And I really loved it, and it was an invitation to come to his church. So I told my wife, I said, let's go to church over there. <laughs> so anyway, we went, and, and that's where I received Jesus as my personal savior. I finally realized that. I accepted Christ. Um, we went back home, uh, and again, to make a long story short, it was about six and a half years maybe longer than that of eight years of going through in and out of hospitals to chemotherapy with amber and all of this her, her her hair of course all came out she looked like the safe buff marshmallow man if you if i can exactly and she was just chunky monkey and uh i can remember going to the hospital to see her and i can see her running down the hall you know daddy, and running down the hall to cut me you know and, and through this whole thing uh the, i think god i i, I like to feel like God took away some of the pain that she was going through, you know, just because of what we were learning. Well, that wasn't all of it. When she right. turned, when she was about four and a half years old, she was at my sister's house, and my uh, my niece was babysitting her. She got hold of a metal ruler, took the metal strip out of the ruler, stuck it in the wall socket, and it went right through her hands. It actually, just cut her fingers this way and cut her fingers this way, and her hair, hair, hair burned. I get a call at work that your daughter's been electrocuted. You need to come home immediately. So I took off. When I get I get to the hospital, I beat the tr- ambulance to the hospital, <laughs> um, and, and I find out that, you know that what had happened. And they cut her through an artery in her thumb. And the blood's going everywhere and everything. Anyway, they managed to take care of it. And it's on a um, probably about a Monday or Tuesday that all this happened. And they taken they bandage up her hands almost like a boxer. These big old white big bandages. And so we have to go back like. Two or three, every day we had to go back to get the bandages changed, the dressings changed, and things like this. Well, my sister now is living in San Diego, California. She says, Tom, what you need to do now, Charles and Francis Hunter, I don't know if anybody's heard of Charles and Francis Hunter. They had a healing ministry back in the day. Well, anyway, she says, come down to San Diego, bring Amber, let them pray for her. You know, and and again, I had, my faith was getting stronger and stronger and stronger because I had seen she was supposed to be dead the 35, you know, 35 days or whatever. Here we are four years later. Still going through junk, hasn't got, hasn't stopped. but you know she's still she's still there. So my faith is growing stronger, my faith is growing stronger. So we take her down there, uh, they have the healing service, Amber and I go down, they lay hands on us, and a lot of you have heard of being slain in the spirit. Well anyway, we both go down. Uh, we, we get up and Amber goes, Daddy, we got bonged. I said, <laughs> I, said, I, said I said Yeah, yeah, we sure did. Well here's the cool part. I I you know you say, God show me a sign. You know, show me that you're really there. Well all the things that are already going on, that's not signing up. It's on a Monday or Tuesday, like I said before. We go back to the hospital that following Monday, that's just after the weekend, so they can change the bandages. They take the bandages off. Her black skin is now pink. Aww. Come on now. <laughs> wow. Oh. I, I, her skin is pink. And the doctors look at each other and say, come here, come here, come here. You know, they're doing the doctor thing and trying to explain why this could possibly happen, but uh, we know how it happened. Right on. That's that's really cool. I love those stories where the doctors are like, hey, can you come
1: over here? What's going on? Um, For those of you that don't know, um, Calvary Chapel, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith um, initiated, um, really is responsible for any Christian music that you listen to today, contemporary Christian music, uh, they have a debt of gratitude to that church because they, they're the they're at the forefront of a movement called the Jesus Movement, which really kind of brought this whole contemporary wave of, of Christian art.
0: Because of the music, they call yeah. it Baranatha. Yeah, you know? so um,
1: that's that's really cool that, uh, that you were there and, and part of that. Um, I mean, that church is just, uh, the church is really cool. Is there anything else, like, you know, you said the... The healing story that the, the, your daughter was, or had her hands electrocuted, which is just mind blowing. But anything else in that time kind of happened um, that just showed you like the the realness.
0: Or, or when God did God speak to you in a yeah, actually God did, and he, and he did it in a way. Uh, you know, when we all become first saved and we're really on fire, you know, it's, yeah. it's sad to say that we we sometimes we tend to you know, the candle to dim out a little bit. You know, when we wish you could stay like this all the time. Well, 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 mine was like that at that time. I mean, I, I, any time there was something going on, I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to go, I wanted to go, I wanted to go. And I was invited to this, these people's house that had a prayer service. So we went over there, and there was this gentleman who, uh, who was leading the service. And, and during the service, he felt compelled to, to call on people. And he called me up, and he said, Tom, I, said, I think God has got something very special for you. And he laid hands on me, and he prophesied over me. He said, I feel God has given you the gift of healing. I said, I feel that God has given you the gift, and you're going to see this throughout the years. Come on and come on, and so I, I you know, I, I didn't know what to say. I, you know, I just say, okay, I guess I got it. You know, whatever. But you know, I, you don't know, right? And so, uh, but a confirmation, a confirmation, in, and I'll maybe I'll get into that. I'll jump this a little early. Um, Ingrid, uh, my wife, uh, she got hurt when we first got married, and her, and her she hurt her ankle, and her ankles really hurting her. So she said, Tom, pray for me, will you? So I said, sure enough. So I put my hand on her ankle, and she said she could feel the tremendous heat, and and, and, her, and her, her ankle was healed like that, you know. So that, to me, that was a confirmation. But uh, there was another instance, my other daughter, Nicole, who's back here in the back right now, when uh, we were at a friend's house in California, and we were on, uh, you know, California's got all these hills. So the house is up here. The backyard's down here. And there's about 18 steps to get down to the backyard. Well, she was up on the top playing around with his son. She fell off, she literally fell off the top and we heard the scream, both Dave and I turned around just to see her doing a head dive straight down like this. She landed on her head, crunched her back like this and she was just like in a little pretzel like this and not moving. Knowing enough not to just grab her and try to straight her, I didn't know actually what to do except to pray for her. So we put, she wasn't breathing and we didn't do CPR. We just kind of put our hands on her again and started to pray. And next thing on you know, and, and she, she came. She started to breathe again, you know. And she blocked her collarbone. All she did was a clavicle right here. All that was fracture. But that was all it was. Wow! So that, that was another instance where God really, really moved in my life. Wow! Um, I have the,
1: I've had the, the privilege to go to lunch with Tom several times, and, and like I said earlier, I'd be embarrassed out on the golf course with him. <laughs> um, but I've heard just story after story like this. Of, of somebody is sick and he's like i didn't know what to do so i just prayed for him and then god moved and so uh maybe you in this room because we've had several uh times where tom has participated with us uh and prayed for people maybe you had a story like that if so share it with him you know like hey man you prayed for me and god moved in my life and brought healing um well so uh you're on fire your candle is blazing we could assume, you know, you've started, you've begun, a change has been initiated. Um, well, what happened next? Did, did, did the flame just continue going brighter and higher and stronger?
0: I actually think the candle went out. <laughs> I mean, I like to say that it was still very little amber blowing. But, you know, things get going and we kind of get slack, you know. We forget about the things that God has done in our lives and we just kind of put them on the back burner so I got back into the world, I started doing stupid stuff again, I started doing things that, you know, that I shouldn't have been doing, and and, um, and I felt really bad about it, you know, but it, I kept on doing those stupid things, you know, and I, even though God had already shown me these things that, that he did, um, and what really, what really kind of, kind of brought it all home was being in the Marine Corps, we, uh, during the Gulf War, we got called to Kuwait, and we went over there, we were, at, we were in country, and um, we had a, uh, a mission come down that we were going to be, we had a, actually a scud missile attack. We were expecting a scud missile attack. So we all went to Mach 4 gear, which those of us who are in the service know what that is. You dress in all this NBC gear, you put on these gas masks. We, uh, we locked and cocked our M16s and got ready for whatever we thought was going to come. Well, at that time, I can remember all the things came to mind that, that had already gone through my life. And I can remember telling God, I said, hey, get me out of this. <laughs> Another one, get me out of this. And I promise. When I get back, I'll do everything I can to serve you, you know. And, and sure enough, nothing happened. We, we we got it was all a false alarm. We got we went back to to regular uh, regular attire and stuff like that. And and I came back. I, I got back with nothing. Uh, I didn't get hurt at all. And, and did that change me? Yeah, for a while, you know. But then but then again, uh, I started to act stupid again. Um, to the point to the point where it got so bad that. Um, my wife and I, my, my, my former wife, this is my second marriage with Ingrid, my former wife and I, we just couldn't get along anymore. So we had agreed to separate. Separation, led to divorce. And we got divorced. And I feel very sorry for my children, but, uh, but, but it happened, you know. And, and that brings to mind uh, uh, Peter. You know, I always think about Peter. I said, Peter, you know, he walked with Jesus. He saw his miracles. He saw him change the fish. He saw him change the loaves of bread. He saw him do it all that stuff. And then he denied Christ right there in the instance. I saw Jesus heal my daughter. I saw Jesus do this. I saw him do that. I saw him do this to me. And then I kind of basically denied him too. But look, at Peter, look at Peter. Peter was the rock that God founded his church on. So I said, if he can do that, he can forgive me. And, and I do believe he's done that. You know, he's given me the opportunity now to, to be able to share with you folks my life, a little bit of my story. The things he's got, and, and I just want to say that if there's anybody here who's gone through any of this jump before, don't give a vote. God still loves you; He loves you very much, Amen. and He's He's there for us all the time.
1: Um, when we were we were just hanging out, talking, and kind of sharing, trying to figure out what uh, what was what God was going to say through Tom. There, there was something Tom said when he was talking about Peter. He said, um, "He's like God will come after you," which is <laughs> kind of scary coming from Tom. That's what we Virginia Beach <laughs> Sheriff's <laughs> Office. Uh, God will come after you even, and, and he'll still love you even after all your junk. Yes. And I loved when you said that. It just set my heart on fire because I was like, that's so true. Because I know this about people in here. Um, there's a lot of junk in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And I think that's really cool that you get to hear from, from somebody like Tom that says, hey, God will love you after all your junk. Right. And he'll come after you. And he's not going to stop, even if we're like Peter. He doesn't
0: stop. Just so so you cool. know what's really cool? I, I, I don't want to put her on the spot was God was so good to me that when I started by where I'm at right now on uh, the, current, the current journey that I'm on right now he gave me a beautiful lady to share this with my wife Ingrid that's true, that's true. That's true. In the here. <laughs> she has meant so much to me uh help me stay on the straight and narrow if you would uh, taught me things uh, just through her example of how how compassionate she is uh, how she prays for people uh how she gives for people uh, goes up and gives people money that she doesn't even know because she knows that they're needy, you know, things like that. I'm learning so much from her. But again, this is God showing me his love for me by giving her so that we can walk this journey together. Mm, That's That's awesome. Uh, How, you know, Scripture talks about
1: spurring one another on. And I think, uh, you know, your relationship with Ingrid is a a great example of that. Uh, If you get a chance... Uh, if, you, if you're a lady or, or a dude, you know, grab grab Tom and Ingrid and be like, "Hey, will you go to lunch with me?" And uh, I just want to, I just want to, I want to talk to you and share with you and see what uh, what God would say to you. Um, anyway, so um, what do you find like right now in the present? Um, either you know what what's motivating you in your walk with Jesus? What is He teaching you? Um, is there is there anything you want to share with us about what like He's doing right now?
0: I think the biggest thing right now that God has been, t- has been talking to me about is, uh, you know, a lot of times we hear people that say, no, I don't want to go to church. you got too many people hypocrites. They would say, do this, and they say, don't do that, do this, they do that. But, yeah, I see them out in town doing the same thing we're doing. And, and, again, I did that for a long time. I was an undercover Christian. You know, I, I, on Sundays I'd be here with you guys acting, act, you know, doing the right part. On Mondays and Tuesdays I'd be acting the world like, like, like a knucklehead. you know. but and that's the way, and that's the thing I don't want anybody to see anymore. That's the old me. The old me is gone. Uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want them to fall to do, see me doing, and then follow me because of the example that I set, yeah. not by what I say, but what I, by what I do. Yeah, that's really good. Um,
1: to be a to be a follower that other people want to follow, you
0: know, because Jesus is the
1: lead. And we're just following Him. So uh, that's really cool. Um, so what's next? You know, we're we're talking this morning about, um, you know. God wants to start a new chapter. God wants to start something new and fresh in your life, uh, to to initiate a change that begins a, the story that He wants to tell. So, what's next for you? You know, what do you see God
0: doing uh, in your life next? You know, we've been studying the Book of Acts. I think we've got through Acts chapter four uh, during the past couple of weeks that we've been here. I believe that God's charting is having me in my life to write Acts chapter twenty nine, yeah. which is which is the new chapter. I'm sixty eight years old. And I believe I'm just getting started. Yeah, I think God has got a lot of things yet for me to do, a lot of things yet to accomplish, and I just want to be open. I want That's to be, awesome. I want to be declared. I want to let me mold me to what He wants me to be able to accomplish through Him. That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Uh, well, give it up for Tom. Uh, up. Uh, teach him, teach him his story. Like I said, uh, if you are available and, and you, know, you want to grab lunch with Tom I don't I don't know if he wants to grab lunch with you but you can ask uh, I always like to eat <laughs> pay for it though you you ask him you you, you foot the bill uh, Tom would you just do us the honor of praying for us as we uh, as we contemplate you know what is it that God wants to do in our lives where does he want us to begin where does he want us to start hearing from you how not only did you start but you found yourself in a place where you had to start again and maybe there are people in the room this morning. That's where they're at. They've started, but now they're in a place where maybe you've got to start again and uh, start fresh. And you've been there. You've lived that. Would you just would you just do us
0: the honor of praying for us? Sure. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, Lord God, for the uh, this wish for the many times, God, that you've decided to uh, to just put your hand on my body, Lord, to put your hand on my life, Lord God, and to lead me, Father, to lead me to the still waters, Lord Jesus. And, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that there's uh, other individuals, other people in this room right now, God, who may be experiencing the same kind of junk that I went through, Lord. I pray, God, that you just begin to touch them, Lord God. First of all, bring them peace, Lord. Bring them your peace that passes understanding. Lord, let them know that you love them, Lord God, above all things, God. There's nothing that they have done in their lives, God, that is that brings, bring, brings guilt or shame, Lord God. It's because you love them, God. You already made the ultimate sacrifice, Father. You've already been to the cross, Lord. You sacrifice for each and every one of us, Father, so that one day we may be experiencing eternity with you in heaven, Lord. So there's nothing that we've done, nothing that we've done, Lord God, nothing that we ever could do, Lord God, that would cause your love to leave us, Lord Jesus. And for that, I thank you, Father. Father, I pray, Lord God, for our church right now. I pray for our pastors, Lord God. I pray for those in leadership, Father. I pray, God, that you watch over them and protect them, Lord God, for our children lord jesus watch over our children jesus today, as they go through these schools lord god as the summer comes upon us father watch them as they, as they swim lord god and keep your hand upon them father and god through all of this we'll always give you the praise and glory in jesus name amen amen amen, amen.
1: thanks again i right, give it up for tom time.
0: thank you so much for joining us today we always appreciate hearing how god is moving in your life we all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours